well, we have, um, you know, over the, the course of what, since 2018, we've been building relationships and it just goes back to show, you know, how easy it is once you start building those relationships, but with brokers, with other investors and, um, everything in between. And one of the brokers that I've been to a couple meetups with and been slowly working with, um, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to him. He actually has his own podcast, Mike Glassby. Um, but he's out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. He's also prior military. Um, he brought us, we had a 13 unit deal prior to that one, to the 16 unit. And he brought us that one. And just by building that relationship and him understanding what we were capable of, and most importantly, that we can actually close, um, he started bringing us off. Well, I, I don't know if they're off market, but pretty close to off market deals, like right as they hit the market. So um, that's how we found the deal. You know, we didn't do much digging. It was more just building those relationships. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here's your host, Annette Talee. Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Talee. And today, I am very excited to have Chris and Ashton Lebrecht. Did I say it right? Perfect. <laughs> That's great. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Thank you for Thanks having so us. so much. Let me tell you a little bit about them. They are brothers, if uh, you don't know. So let me tell you about Chris. He is the manager and co-owner of Valkyrie Investment Group, LLC. He coordinates the management structure of the company and offers a highly analytical skill set with which to implement company systems define investment strategies, and provide prof profitable opportunities to lenders, clients, and company partners. A former firefighter, a veteran of the United States Air Force, and network operations team leader, Chris has earned several education accolades, DS Computer Information System in Arizona University in 2012, Associate in International Trade, University of Montpellier, France, um, with years of project management in the fast-paced information technology world, as well as the relationship-building networking that comes with the territory, Chris has proven track record of success across multiple venues. He lives in Phoenix, Arizona since 2010 uh, with his wife, Jamie, and they are happy parents of a healthy boy. Congrats. <laughs> now let okay. me tell you about Ashton. He is the co-owner, manager, and investor of Valkyrie Investment Group, LLC. Ashton acts as the project and acquisitions manager. He provides in-depth market research, ground-level expertise, resources, and network facilitation to ensure the investment opportunities they offer build equity and maximize profitability for their clients, lenders, and team. As an Air Force Special Operations para rescue jumper and sniper, wow, and a special warfare team leader, Ashton is no stranger to intelligence analysis, mission planning, and execution. Detail-oriented and driven to succeed, Ashton brings 20 years of, of SOF, Special Operations Forces, experience to bear upon the investment market. In addition, Ashton has received a Bachelor's of Science in 
Sports, Health and Science in an associate degree in personal recovery. Uh, Ashton is the father of two girls and with his wife Vivian currently live in Portland, Oregon. Oh, so you are not in the same city, guys. No. Oh, so a lot of, of team calls like this one. Oh, yeah, weekly. Team challenges, time challenges, yeah. That is awesome. So, guys, tell me, how did you get into real estate? Sure. Do you want to start? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll start. So, um, about 2018, I started getting into bigger pockets. I started um, just exploring other retirement options. Um, I, 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 we had a, a dip in the uh, stock market. My 401k kind of dropped by like $5,000 in one week. And uh, it kind of shocked me that, you know, I'm putting all this money aside and all of a sudden it just boop, goes away within a week. And so I started looking more into real estate. I started getting on bigger pockets. And then I started talking with Ashton. He had very similar, um, you know, um, things he was seeing in the market and, and reasons for having something that was bigger and longer lasting than just a 401k. And so we started talking about um, investing in, in some kind of property in North Carolina because he was actually in North Carolina at the time. Um, and so we just kind of, we got together, we started looking at, at duplexes and uh, we, we looked at Durham, uh, Durham, North Carolina, and we ended up uh, picking a property out there and um, just kind of growing from there. Uh, but it started with a duplex and just the, the need and the desire to build more than uh, just a 401k option. So That's awesome that you both were kind of thinking the same thing and then that you can execute it together. Yeah, it was interesting, the timing, right? Yeah. And I, and I would add, like, I actually was introduced to the whole concept of house hacking and multifamily investing back in 2016. And I was talking to some guy, this is kind of a weird story, but we were out in the desert. This is on a deployment and sitting underneath a helicopter yelling at each other, you know, just waiting for something to, to go do something. And he's talking about how much money he's making off of his 20 properties. And this guy was lower ranking than me. And I thought, man, this is, uh, how the heck are you doing that? And he gave me all these notes, but I didn't act on it until 2018 when my brother brought it up because at 2018, I was about two years out from retiring from the Air Force and uh, I hadn't really, I didn't have any huge plans. I mean, you can't really recoup your retirement plan and, you know, until much later um, as far as like a lot of your investments. But, and you know, I have a family and everything. So I was looking for my next step after I got out of the military. And then when Chris, when Chris brought that up, you know, it just made sense. I'm like, man, I this all sounds really familiar. And I look back at my notes from, you know, 2016 and we just jumped in from there. You know, we started learning everything we could. And like Chris said, we, we did, uh, we bought two duplexes. I think we must've made like six or seven offers prior to that though. Terrible, terrible deals, you know, but you learn. Uh, <laughs> how, long did, how long did it pass between when you had this first conversation about why don't we do this together and to the time that you bought the first duplex? I think that's, that, that is really key. So <clears throat> I think a lot of people sit on the information that they get, you know, and um, yes, I did sit on it from 2016, but when we, when Chris and I both decided to do it, um, my wife and I made a 90 day resolution to get a house under, con get something under contract in 90 days. And then when I brought that up to Chris, you know, we, he jumped on board. And so we did it within, we literally got it within the third month. So 90 days resolution. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, a lot of that came, um, I don't know where you got it from, Ashton, but uh, 
Brandon Turner on Bigger Pockets has a 90 yeah. day program yeah. that he kind of puts out a lot on those webinars. And I, I saw that in, in fact, for me, like be, before that, even I probably spent a good three months, um, you know, kind of doing my own. It takes me a little bit to get going. And I was doing my own little research education into it, more reading from Bigger Pockets. And then when we kind of came together, that's when we acted really fast. We knew, you know, okay, we want to do this pretty fast and we just hit it. So yeah. that is awesome. Yes, because, you know, I always uh, hear people saying, you know, I don't know where to start. Like, you know, there's so many things that I have to do and I don't know what to do exactly. And I always say just like start with one thing, just do one thing. Yeah. And then once you complete that one, you're going to feel accomplished and then you go to the next thing. And even if you don't know everything else, once you do that one thing, then you're going to feel more confident, confident to do the next thing and the next thing. So yeah. it's just like you just need to start with whatever step that you, you can at the, at the time. Just start with whatever you can, and then you will go to the next step. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I like that, the, the stepping analogy, because every step you take will illuminate the next one for you. So as soon as you take that first step, you'll see where you need to be next. You can't say, oh, I want to be a millionaire and then go from here to there without looking down and seeing the very the next natural step, right? And I think having that commitment, committing to uh, doing that is very important. I think a lot of people miss out on committing to something. They're like, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll do this, you know, and, and yeah. they always have like a, they can back out easily. But if you really set, set up a commitment um, and then start taking those steps, there's no, there's no way you'll fail. You know, even if you have a little misstep here and there, you're going to keep moving forward because you're committed. So. Absolutely. The deal. All right, guys. Yeah. So what deal are we going to talk about today? Chris, you want to answer? Yeah, sure. So, so today we're going to talk about our most recent deal. We closed... Uh, January 21st, um, it was a apartment syndication. So it was in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and it was a 16 unit, um, 16 town townhomes, two bed, two and a half bath. Awesome. So they are all attached to each other or how many groups of buildings? Yes. Oh, so two buildings. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Two, right. two buildings, yeah, eight each. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> oh, okay. So two buildings. Awesome. All right. So how did you find this deal? Uh, well, we have, um, you know, over the, the course of what, since 2018, we've been building relationships and that just goes back to show, you know, how easy it is once you start building those relationships, but with brokers, with other investors and um, everything in between. And one of the brokers that I've been to a couple meetups with and been slowly working with, um, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to him. He actually has his own podcast, Mike Glasby. Um, but he's out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. He's also prior military. Um, he brought us, we had a 13 unit deal prior to that one, to the 16 unit. And he brought us that one. And just by building that relationship and him understanding what we were capable of, and most importantly, that we can actually close, um, he started bringing us off. Well, I, I don't know if they're off market, but pretty close to off market deals, like right as they hit the market. So um, that's how we found the deal. You know, we didn't do much digging. It was more just building those relationships. Awesome. And tell me a little bit about that, because I think that's one of the, the things that I struggle with, uh, building relationships with, uh, with brokers, because, you know, I started with duplexes and I started using my realtor. 
to um, you know to, to deal with that part of it. And and now I am starting to do the the reaching out to the brokers, and it's still every time that I do a phone call, I'm so nervous. Yeah. So yeah. what yeah. are your secrets? How do you build that relationship? Well, I think Chris and I, you know, we're we're not co-located, so we have we're building different networks across, you know, different areas. But I think for me, one of the biggest things is um, a face-to-face, you know, phone calls and emails are great. Um, I think your podcast is probably going to crush it just because you can do that face-to-face talking and it brings that credibility. But um, for me, I don't have a podcast. We don't have a podcast. So uh, one of the things I focus heavily on is actually meeting brokers, meeting investors, you know, um, because that builds that credibility, that builds that personality, that relationship that carries over into every deal that you do. So, and, and Chris, I don't know if you want to talk on that as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think we have the same, same challenges as well as, as you just mentioned, um, the, the market's really hot right now. So brokers are going to work with people they know who can close and often who they have existing relationships already with versus someone new they don't know anything about. So if you're getting into the market now, you have to figure out, okay, well, how can I differentiate myself? And it doesn't necessarily need to be experience. It just has to be, maybe you do a face-to-face. Maybe you um, say the right things. Maybe you show you're committed. Maybe you just form that relationship over something else. Maybe you talk about family. Maybe you talk about kids and you form that connection and then you get into uh, more of the apartments. But if you just come up from a personal or a business perspective, um, there's a lot of people doing it right now. So it's going to be challenging to separate yourself and really show that you can close over someone else or you're a reliable contact. So I would say, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a relationship building game and you just have to figure out, you know, how can I uh, separate myself? And whether that might be personal, that might be uh, forming some other ke- connection face-to-face or, you know, going to dinner with, you know, um, as a couple's dinner with their wife and your husband and, you know, something like that so options <laughs> yeah. so are, are you local to the these brokers specifically uh, I was so I was stationed well I retire in May on May 1 uh, and I moved my family out to Portland Oregon so that's where I technically live but um, I'm still in North Carolina and so when I did that when I was there I built a lot of those relationships by going to meetups by having dinners lunches coffees you know stuff like that uh, with other brokers, investors, and so on. Wholesalers, that's another great way as well. But um, yes, so I was local at the time. Now I'm not, but it, it's definitely helped being able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to the deal. So um, your broker brought it to you. So it yes. was, uh, what was it listed for at that uh, when he brought it to you? I believe it started at 1.1 million or 1.2, something like that. It was, yeah. And um, we were able to uh, get it down to nine seventy after a couple back and forth, so oh, nine hundred seventy thousand. Pretty good. Yeah. So, how did you negotiate this um, reduction in the price? Um, well, I mean, there was multiple factors. We went, you know, so there was a lot of deferred maintenance. That was a big one for us, right? You know, when you're buying something, we want a value add property, but obviously, you want a value add property that's um, you don't want to pay more for it than, than what it's currently worth. Right. And so that's the big thing. Um, so we were, we were about to, you know, a lot of the HVACs needed to be repaired. Um, there was a lot of like little things that just needed to be repaired, you know, some pest control. There was 
some siding that need to be prepared. So after we did the walkthrough, so I personally took two days and walked through the property with our contractors, with our property manager, got their opinions, got, you know, got the um, quotes from the contractors. And we were able to present that uh, to the seller through our broker, obviously, but uh, to the seller and show him why it was worth much less. Um, so that brought that down. And in fact, we were able to get it after we sit, when we got it under contract, it was for 970,000. When we finally closed, it was for 960,000. So, oh, okay. so actually, let, let me jump in really quick. It was actually purchase was 960. We got it for 950. So just, Oh, okay. Yeah. Less. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, I, while you're thinking 970, it actually appraised for 970. That's right. You're right. Yeah. Also, it appraised higher. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I'm making yeah. the numbers right here. So if you get it for 950 for 16 units, you got it for 59,000 per unit. Mm -hmm. yep. And what yeah. are the rents on these two, two, uh, two bedroom, one and a half bedroom? Two bedroom, two and a half bath. Okay. Uh, they're two floors. So the nice thing about that is it opens up what you can do with it. So you could have people sharing rooms or you could have a family, you know, you can have a family living in something like that. But uh, the rents we're targeting are 800 uh, per, per unit. And we're already listing one actually as a premium, even in the first year for 825. So we were actually targeting 800 rents in the second year. We're still in the first year, of course, because we just got it. But uh, there were rents when we, I think when we got it, there were around 600. A lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think average rent when we purchased it was at 620 or 615, the average across the board. But people were paying as low as um, 590. So. Oh, wow. That's, that, that, the numbers look awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so what did you have to do inside the apartments to get them to be able to bump the rent almost $200? Sure. Uh, I think we, we spent around 4000 so far per unit. Um, so depending on how bad the carpet was, each unit is going to get kind of a different approach. We, we didn't want to like go redo everything if we didn't need to because um, actually the 800 rents are – around market. So it wasn't necessarily like we were shooting for um, a cloud, turning it into a luxury property. We were actually just taking it to market, redoing, adding some value in the units and then um, getting, getting the value that way. So all we did, what, what we do just basic, uh, if the, if the carpets were bad in a central area, we would put wood plank uh, vinyl flooring, mm -hmm. uh, redo the, some of the bathrooms, some backsplash on the kitchen, better lighting, repaint uh, and, and then we had exterior light renovations as well. Is that about it, Ashton? Yeah, yeah, that's about it. I, and um, I think there will be some appliances being replaced. But uh, everything else is just, you know, deferred maintenance around the property. So cleaning it up because um, they had a trash problem, cleaning it up, getting rid of pests. There were some pest control issues. Um, and then, yeah, some peeling siding, some leaking gutters, stuff like that. Um, that we're just, you know, it's just deferred maintenance. We're just taking care of that. Something that the last owner uh, didn't keep up on. And, and really that's an easy way to show that you're adding value to the tenants. And I mean, that's our goal, right? We're not just trying to make money off the backs of, of renters. We're, we're also trying to provide something that's, that's actually worth living in, you know, so a, a decent place for that, that income level in that uh, neighborhood. Awesome. Is it a, what type of uh, asset uh, is this one, an ABC? It's C class. It's it's probably one of the nicer C classes we've we've got. We've stayed around the C class mostly 
because it's the nice purchase interest entry point um, for us at least. But this has been, I would say, even like almost B minus C plus. It's definitely nicely painted. It's got those nice kind of uh, eastern, um, I would say, southeastern colors. You know, the bright blues and the the pink doors and that kind of stuff. So it really looks nice from the exterior and even the interior. Um, you know, I would live there. It's not like some places that we bought were pretty run down when we got them. <laughs> this one is actually one of the nicer ones. So, there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. And so, how was the interaction with the with the seller? Were they very reluctant to to take the discounts, or were they kind of like, yeah, you know, I know, <laughs> I'm assuming yeah. they're gonna sell it for less. <laughs> he he was actually, um, if I remember correct, he, I was told he was a he's actually a broker himself. He's a real estate agent himself, and so he understood. I mean, he knew, and I think one of the good things that worked for us also was. You know, he was trying to do a 1031 exchange. So he was on a but or he was on a time crunch. Right. So he knew the number he had to hit and he knew the date he had to hit it by. And so um, I think that definitely played into our favor and, and we weren't trying to undercut him in any way. But when we came back to the table and said, hey, look, you know, this these repairs still need to be done. And on top of that, um, if we do all those repairs on top of this price you're giving us, um, it's not going to make sense for us, you know. And so uh, he understood that. And, I, and it really wasn't that, much, that big of a deal. He had just replaced, uh, I think, I don't know, four HVACs. So, so that helped. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't too difficult um, to, to talk with him and get that down. It helped to our lender knew him personally. Did so. submitting an LOI or did you submit an LOI and then had to um, change the price? We submitted an LOI, but we also submitted a contract like within a couple of days because our broker had been talking to him and, um, you know, he said, he came back to me, he's like, Hey, look, he's already accepted a verbal at this price. And so we submitted the LOI just, um, because that's what we normally do. And then like the very next day, the contract came and we signed that and sent it out. Awesome. All right. Okay. So how did you fund this deal? Yeah, so so for this one, it was pretty traditional. We did a non-recourse loan, or sorry, a recourse loan, sorry. <laughs> I wish it was non-recourse. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we went with a lender we've been using in the past, and we just got a commercial loan, 75% funded um, by a uh, 20-year amortized. It was pretty good. It was 4.25% interest. And so we just had to come up with 25% down uh, and the renovations and closing costs. So for that, we did a 504 syndication. So it's, it's a, you know, uh, 506B and 506C are pretty common. Right. Uh, you'll hear about a 504 if you are working purely with um, non-accredited investors. So if you have a lot of friends and family, it's a smaller deal. Um, the advantage is <clears throat> you don't have to get accredited investors. You can take um, investments of, you know, really low amounts if you wanted to. Um, the, the downside to a 504 though, is you do have to deal with state regulations. So, so you get an investor from New Jersey, you have to comply with New Jersey state regulations for investing in syndications, whereas like a 506B or 506C, it'll be a, you still have to comply, but you're not actually complying at the state level. You're complying with regulation D in its entirety. And, and so it'll just be a little less stringent, uh, on the regulations there. But so we raised about 400,000. 
uh, for the 25% down in the renovations. And um, it was about 14 different investors. And uh, that's how we did it. Is this the first time that you do a syndication or did you do a syndication before? This is, yeah, technically this is our first syndication. But I would add every purchase we've made up to this point has been a JV, you know, joint venture. Has We've worked with other investors. Um, so to say, you know, it's new to us. Yes, the syndication, the whole structure, that was new. But, but finding investors and working with other people's money, um, that wasn't necessarily new, you know, in that sense. So. And, and it goes, it builds on each other too. Our first deal we did was with a private lender at an interest rate and that same private lender invested in the 16 units. So, right. That's awesome. Yeah, relationships, right? Yes. How did you structure it? Did you do a preferred um, interest rate or how did you structure the deal for this, in, for this indication part? Sure. Yeah, we did a preferred return. Uh, it was a five-year hold. Uh, we did a refinance in year three projected. So what that did, uh, doing this refinance in year three gave about 64%, 62% of investor capital <clears throat> back. And everyone, returns go up, cash on cash returns go up, of course, when there's less money left in the deal. Um, but also, you know, it gives the opportunity to investors to, to be able to use that capital for a new deal if they want to in year three, um, you know, um, and go do whatever else they want to do with their family, with their life, whatever else has come up. But uh, we like that refinance kind of in the middle. Um, but yeah, we did uh, 8% preferred return and then it was a 70-30 split after yep. that. So Awesome. All right. So you kind of mentioned a little bit of the strategy. Uh, you're going to refinan refinance at uh, year three. And after that, what are you doing? Looking to sell in year five. Year five? Yeah. So we do that... Um, the reversion cap rate kind of idea where, so if we bought it, you know, around a seven, we have it selling at a 7.5 cap rate and that works in year five. And that gets the return that we wanted for investors. Um, but doing that, you know, we don't expect the market to be exactly the same as it is right now, obviously. Um, so if you, the idea is if you buy it at seven, make sure you add a little buffer. Uh, you want to sell at a higher cap rate, not necessarily you know, you, if you get to sell at a 6.5 or lower than what you purchased for, that's great because you're going to make more money, you're going to make the sellers happy. But if you're going to buy something and you have a, a sale um, projection, so we do in your five, typically you want to add it in that extra, you know, 0.5 or, or whatever basis point. So to get, you know, to protect yourself a little. And so that's what we did. Your five will sell and everyone will... Uh, recoup that remaining 40% of investor capital and the additional returns will come off the back end. So. so now an important question. How is it to work with your brother? <laughs> More importantly, <laughs> I think, well, I'll say real quickly. More importantly, both our wives work in our company. So we have every Sunday, 7.30 uh, Arizona time, at least for me, it depends where everybody is. Some are East yeah. Coast. Ashton might be in North Carolina. Um, his wife, Vivian, is in Oregon, you know, all the time because she's with the kids. My wife here is in Arizona. Um, so when we all get together at 730, it's fun to work with family. <laughs> There's yeah. challenges, uh, but it, it's a blast. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I would point out we had, you know, so my brother and I, Chris and I, had a good relationship for a long time you know not I know I know there's a lot of talk about working with family and how, how tough it can be but Chris and I have been really close over the years 
And uh, I think it was a natural progression. I had always wanted to work with my family. You know, I think it's, um, it can be a very powerful tool so long as you understand that um, it isn't always all about money. And if everybody, if one of the person, one person's only focused on all about all the money, um, you're going to run into something. So having your goals aligned is really big. It doesn't matter if it's family or, or partners or friends, whatever, like so long as your goals align. And for us, that's really what it was, you know, that financial freedom, being able to spend more time with our families. That was our goal. And, um, you know, at the beginning, Chris and I, it was just Chris and I, it was just him and I, and the girls both had their own jobs, their own careers. And so it was never like a, a goal for us, like, Hey, get the girls to quit their jobs and start working for the company. <laughs> that was not the goal. Although we did pitch it several times. I know I did. I don't know about you, Chris, but, yeah. um, and then as, as things progressed, you know, they saw that we were working and they, they get along really good. Um, which is awesome. Uh, because I've seen, we've talked about it on like bigger talks and I've seen the comments that people say, you know, Oh, it's going to fall apart. you know, whatever. But I think if you align your, your goals together and really, really sit down and, and talk about where you want to go. Um, you know, there's so much power in working together. So, yeah, I agree. But I think it's also has to be like, like you said, the goals have to be aligned and the personalities have to be aligned. That, that's a great point. And that's something we got to later. And I can't remember who suggested it, but we did, we did the, uh, Tony Robbins, um, this? What is it called? disc profile. Yeah. Disc yeah, profile. yeah. And it was interesting. And, and I think both of us knew this at the start, but Chris and I are very opposite personalities. So, um, and then of course we got our wives to do it too, but it really helped in defining roles. Um, although we had kind of taken those roles in the beginning anyway, but the disc profile really solidified and showed what your strengths were and what you should probably be focusing on anyway. And so, you know, if you're trying to do everything by yourself in your own business, I mean, that that's great. Good on you. But the, the sooner you can branch out and uh, focus on one thing in that business, the more success you'll have at that one thing, you know, and Chris, please feel free to weigh in. But I think that's very powerful knowing, knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I would recommend the disc profile across the board. We use it with everyone. I just got um, Olivia, an assistant uh, for our business, to me, and I did a disc profile with her. And it, it, the great thing is when someone else is telling you what you are like, you don't take as much, uh, <laughs> I guess, you yeah. know, like yeah. if your family's telling you, I think you should do this role, you might take kind of offense. You're like, ah, I'm not like that. I want to do this. I want to do that. But if, yeah. if Tony Robbins is telling you or this profile is <laughs> telling you, <laughs> then you might be more willing to be like, oh, you're right. You know, I do, I do do that. So um, I use it with everyone we, we are reaching out to. So whether a virtual assistant or hiring or branching out, uh, we partner with someone on the 16 unit, another uh, syndicator operator. And, you know, we do the same with all our partners just because it really gives a good aspect on where they'll fit in your team. And then um, nobody really takes events to, to understanding yeah. how better they'll work at the company. So, All right. Expert tips. Okay, so now we're going to talk about three expert tips. And today you wanted to talk about productivity. So tell me your three expert tips. Um, well, the, the three things we want to focus on, well, first is focus, um, time blocking, and then we each you know, follow a morning routine. Um, and I can speak from my experience and then, you know, please, Chris, weigh in. Um, but 
I think focus is a is first and foremost. Like you have to be focused. You have to know what you're going after, what you're doing, and why you're doing it. And then, and, and that really just comes with sitting down and writing your goals. And so, um, being able to focus on where your end state is, your your one year, three year, five year goal, right? So by doing that, then you know what you need to focus on each day, and that comes into the time blocking. So. But, but let me For interrupt us, you. Right. Let me interrupt you because at the beginning, you know, you know that you wanna invest in real estate, but there's so many different things that you can do in real estate. So Absolutely. Yeah. You don't like at the beginning. It happened to me. Like you don't know where to focus. Like there's, you know, you're like, oh, I can do this, but then the next day you learn on bigger packets about this, and I'm like, oh, I could do that, and then the next day is like, oh wait, I can do this too. So how do you <laughs> get to that point where you say, okay? this is it and now i can focus on that yeah i mean i would say I mean, what helps me out is um because i've heard this too the, the thing about bigger pockets it's great because you get so many different stories coming in right the bad side to that is like you said you get you're chasing the next shiny object as it comes along what i found helps me is finding a mentor or a podcast that is um you know i listen to bigger pockets to get different aspects but i listen to other podcasts that are very centrally focused on a singular type of investing strategy. And if that aligns with my personality and I really like the listener, I find that's a good way to latch on to uh, a type of investing strategy. If you really find and you gravitate towards this person and this, this mentor, it could be a, a friend, a mentor, whatever. Uh, I would say if they're jiving with your personality and you like what they're doing, why not just follow that same investing strategy because you're already got that connection forming. Um, and so I do that. I found one to two podcasts max I listen to that that really associate with what we're trying to do because otherwise you do get distracted a lot and there's there's multiple ways to skin the cat so um I find yeah find a mentor that you gravitate towards and, and do what they're doing and then yeah and I, <laughs> yeah focus yeah <laughs> I, I would also say um one of the things that really helped me because and I and Chris will probably laugh but like I'm one of those guys that I will jump at everything because I love <laughs> to do things. And I love to, I love to have a goal and I love to go after that goal, you know, full bore. And so being able, if you write down, there's a really good book and I'll, I'll say it's called the vivid vision, vivid vision. And, um, and the author is escaping me right now, but that one really, that one really helps because if you're having trouble finding where you should focus, you need to focus, you need to figure out what your end goal is. And he's huge on, you know, looking down the pipe. So where do I want to be in five years? What do I want to be in 10 years? And you write down, he wants you to write down every aspect of that. So in five years, I want to have this office. I want to be able to eat this breakfast and live here. And I want to be able to spend this much time with my kids. And, oh man, it's, I can hear the kids running through the house. And you get so vivid on where you want to be in that, that moment. And the, then you work back from there, you know? And so is flipping houses going to get me there? You know, and then you can kind of like look at that and like, or actually let me back up looking at what you need financially to get there, what you need, how much time you need, and then how will you create that time? And, and so for me, you know, I didn't want to create another job. So it was easy. Like I put down everything I wanted to do. I wanted to travel more. I want to be home for my kids because in the military, I've been gone a lot, a lot. Um, I'm gone right now. So, but you know, so knowing where you want to be and then knowing what kind of financial, uh, what kind of income you need to support that and then working back from there. And so it, the, the steps, 
I think fall into place at that point. I mean, yes, you look at all these strategies, flipping, you know, house hacking to syndicating to, you know, all these different, um, all these different strategies and, and no one is better than the other. You know, each one is a pick your own adventure. Um, but you know, for me, I didn't want to create another job. I wanted to be a passive investor. I wanted to make my money work for me so that I could have that time, right? That, that, that's the big thing you, you'll never get back. I mean, we can spend all the money in, your, in the world and you'll never get that time back. And so time was it for me. And so knowing that I wanted to create more time as a, the passive investment uh, route, really keyed in, I really keyed in on that. Um, and then we also read that book, Traction, and that really helped um, outlining where our company can go. So, I don't know. I'm writing down all these names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We read a lot. Harold, uh, Vivid Vision. Right. Yes, Cameron Harold. Yep. Cameron. Really good book. Um, Was it Gene Wickman that did Traction? I think so, and I think he partnered with someone else on it too. But yeah, yeah that's a really that's a Gene or the uh, the Traction book is really good for setting up your company, even if it's just you. You know, even if you're going to sit down once a week and have a meeting with yourself, they help you outline your meeting. They help you um, put the structure for your company, what kind of positions you need in our company. Um, so I, that's a, those two books were really good in outlining the focus, what you should focus on to be successful for me personally. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So let's go to the next one. Time blocking, right? Yeah. Chris, you want to weigh in on that? I know you're, you crush time blocking. Yeah, I, I really like time blocking. Um, I, I think we both have, well, I know we both have families. We both have other um, events and, and things that are, are requesting our time all the time. Uh, you know, whether that's family or W2 job, we both work. Ashton's is still in the military. I'm a, uh, in charge of six people for a bank, uh, IT operations. I do network and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And so time blocking <clears throat> to get involved in real estate or whether you're doing it in your normal job or whether just for family if you don't set time aside for what you want to prioritize and what you want to focus on it actually won't get done uh, I, i'm very familiar with this uh just because the one thing is is another book that we highly recommend and we like reading that one but uh it talks a lot about time blocking and especially if you want to do like deep intensive work or deep um, thought work if you want to write a book it's impossible unless you set aside time, you know, two days a week, three days a week, daily, um, to get those kind of things done. They just won't happen. Everything's going to be pulling you in different directions. And in real estate, it's no different. If you don't spend the time to analyze X amount of properties per week, per month, or call X amount of brokers per week, per month, the, the true matter of fact is whatever is screaming the loudest will grab your time. So, and that could be your kid. Or the <laughs> it could be. The easiest task instead of the hardest. Very true. It's very true. And I think we often gravitate towards those easy tasks because we think we're actually winning by knocking them out. But in reality, they're not really. My list, you know, done. done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I read five emails today. Well, did those emails actually help you? <laughs> yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's very common. We just hit those easy things because we feel like we're doing something, but they're not really moving the needle. So really time blocking. Just take take – Take time throughout the week, set certain areas that you know you have 20 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe it's 60 minutes if you're lucky, and set a task for that. If it's simply setting a time block to time block, that's great. Take that, take that 30 minutes on a Sunday night and set 30 minutes to time block your week. And all the, all, already you've just done more than you, you could have done uh, you know, just by trying to do it random at random. So 
um, big on time blocking. I just wrote an ebook about 8,000 words and I put it off probably for 12 months. I could never find, I didn't, I'd make excuses. I don't how do I have time to write? I have a 18 month old kid. I have a, you know, back then he was what, you know, seven months or, um, so I, I made excuses just like we all do. But if you, the minute it changed for me was when I put, okay, an hour, Tuesdays and Thursdays a week. And it took me two months. It took me a while, but it was a lot faster than if I didn't time block at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I guess I was time blocking without knowing it now that you talk about it. Uh, when I wanted to get my license for architecture, it was nine exams. And, wow. you know, <clears throat> most people, you know, I did it right after school, but a lot of people at my office didn't do it for years. And I noticed that. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to study every day from eight to whatever time I'm tired. And for a year, I did that every day from, you know, 8 p.m. after dinner to midnight, mostly. I studied, but then on the weekends, I wouldn't study. I had my weekend for myself. But every day I sat down and studied, and I got all my exams done in one year, which normally would take wow. people like five years to go through oh, all wow. the exams. Wow, that's, that's awesome. really impressive, nine exams. Yeah, so, you know, it was just like the persistence of just doing it. And then my husband would come and tell me all these stories, and I'm like, I'm studying. <laughs> okay (laughs) it took him a while to realize like you know when i'm studying like i don't need interruptions and uh, and i did in a year which sounds like a long time but it was like nine really hard exams you know i bet yeah that is uh impressive well there are plenty of people that 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 don't time block or don't really put the time aside and they'll take their whole life or something like that they take you know 10 20 years i mean uh, I see it all the time and I'm in IT. So and Ashton too, he's, he's all in medical. And if you don't put side time aside for certifications or tests or whatever, your life is just going to do whatever. and You're not going to get those things done. So you really have to make time for them and, and time block it and hold that time sacred. That's a I big know, thing. I, you know, yeah. I know this. I am working with a planner, which I've never done. I don't know if you can see it, my planner here. There you go. Um, and I, like, the, I got it and I did, I planned like the first month and I noticed, I don't know if, I, I, th- I think I see, I am still accomplishing things. But like seeing it on your planner that you are actually doing it and checking it makes yeah. you feel so much better and realize how much you're doing as you're going. And, and mm-hmm. like the last month I was bad, I didn't really do it. So I have, I'm going to put it <laughs> on my calendar. I'm just going to set an alarm to do it like it's hard for me on Sundays but I'll do yeah. like a, a weeknight and yeah. do my time blocking and planning because I think it, it really gets you in into the the mood of getting stuff done and accomplishing things and yeah. I can yeah. see the difference between when I did it and when I didn't do it it was more scattered like what am I supposed to do tomorrow like you know what appointments do I have versus like I know exactly what I gotta do in, and the focus on like what's the the most important goal for today, and then yeah. you focus on that instead of the the small things that don't really, you know, give you any um, traction. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, I, and I would ask yeah. you, Annette, I would I would like to ask, um, did, would when you started that year trying to get all those exams done, were you trying to get them done in one year? Um, my goal was to do one exam a month. Like, okay, yeah, I was like, okay, I actually scheduled the exam, right? Like I decided, okay, I'm doing construction documents first and I scheduled it. 
Because when you schedule, yeah. you have to pay to reschedule. So yep. I had yep. now a deadline. So then I had to get it done because I don't want to waste money rescheduling. <laughs> yes. And so then I just, you know, divided the course into, okay, I have four weeks and I need to, you know, cover all this material in this time. And then I think the weekend before the exam, I would do some flashcards and stuff. And, um, but yeah, I got it. And then there were a couple of exams that were hard, like structures and physics and all that, um, where I took a course. So for that one, it took me more like two months. And then probably in between there, I don't know, maybe a couple of them took me more time. Um, but yeah, it was done in a year. And then my husband um, did it in six months. Because he was wow. doing freelancing at that time, and yeah. he was the economy was doing not so good. So he had a lot of time in his hands. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Just focus on your exam, you know. And yeah. he did it in six months, and I was like, wow. And we both passed all the exams the first try. You know, that I have is awesome. Well, that I know that they took several exams more than once. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, so, and the reason I ask that, and I think this is very important, this just goes back to your, to the, the first tip that we were kind of talking about, is your focus, you know, you had a goal, and I like, uh, I like Tony Robbins, he puts out a lot of good stuff, but one of the quotes he uses is, is if, um, if you're not growing, you're dying, and then, you know, you could probably inter interpret, it, interpret that several ways, but I think the big one for me, the one I, I took away for that, from that was, um, if you don't have a goal, you're not working towards something, you know, and a lot of people, that's what happens, right? You're in, you're in school and you know, you have such and such coming up. So you plan accordingly and you take the actions necessary for that. But when you start something like real estate investing, people kind of look at it as a hobby. Um, and that's what, that's where people fail, right? If you look at it like a job, like you'd get fired from your job if you didn't produce something. So I think for us, um, you know, making that 30 day commitment, to get that first one on your contract, um, that was huge, you know, so we had that focus. So we knew we need, we need to be doing something to get that. And so we learned as much as we could. We, you know, put the time in, we, we time blocked. Um, and it became, and I don't want to say a second job, but yes, I mean, in a sense, it was a, it was a second job. We had a commitment to a commitment to succeed. And so not to mention when you put an earnest money down of 30,000, you really don't want to fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the great thing about that, right? If people are afraid to start, they need to, I think uh, somebody says on one of the podcasts, maybe it was Brandon Turner, but like where you throw that, that thing out in the future and it pulls you towards that goal. And so making an offer and getting an offer accepted is one of those things, right? Because all of a sudden you're like, hey, we have a million dollar property that just got accepted. <laughs> what do we do now? You know, so like you learn very fast. Um, there's another great one too, and I'm going to butcher it, but your work, the work you do uh, compresses and becomes more effective the less time there is to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's a whole algorithm for that. And I can't, I am, I I am it, I know. a queen at that. Like, yeah. I work <laughs> so good when I have very little time. Like, if I have a lot of yeah. time, like, uh, let me just watch TV because I have time. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't have time. I'm going to get it done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I would go back to that, that book, Traction and Vivid Vision. That's very good for that because they have you do a 10-year, five, 5-year, five 1-year, and then quarterly goals. Because, and then you know, like, I have 90 days to do this. And when I do that, that's, that's going to add to and build upon 
and help me reach my one-year goal, which is going to help me reach my five-year and so on and so forth. So once you have that, you know, that's kind of pulling you. But then, yes, there's huge things that will like make an offer, get an offer, except those things will definitely propel you into that. But I think that's a good start, you know, and then time blocking that'll it'll almost force you to time block like it did for you, you know, trying to get your, your certification, your degree and all that. So. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So then the last one morning routine. Yeah. And sure. I take it. We, yeah. We can both talk on this. Um, we have, <laughs> I guess we're a bunch of book nerds because I feel like we just keep quoting books, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the miracle morning, uh, by Hal Elrod was yeah. a big influence on me there. Yeah, great book. And all he's doing, all he's talking about is time blocking and focusing. That's all he is. So you take that, that first time or your first block of time in the morning to really go over um, what you want your day to look like um, and, and really focus on where you're going. And so if you, you know, he outlines all these successful people and they all do it from Oprah to, you know, Grant Cardone to these people always get up in the morning. They have their, their routine and, and he usually revolves around, you know, he uses, um, what is it? Savers. So yeah. some type of silence in the morning. So silence, meditation, prayer, or just thinking about, you know, the quiet time in your day, uh, before you start. So silence affirmations, um, which, you know, a lot of people think that's hokey stuff, but if, you look at what successful people are doing and you deny that their methods are, are working. Uh, I don't know. I, that, that seems ignorant, but so affirmations, visualizations, exercise, reading, and then scribing. And, and I think that stuff's huge. And, and I know I've been doing it over the years. I have, I look back, I have several journals. Um, and many of my counterparts might think that's kind of foo foo, but I think when you write down what you want, you know, it, it solidifies it. And just like time blocking, you write down that time, you're going to do it. So, yeah, I, I think that's a huge, that was a huge, that was a great book to read to help me solidify what I do in the morning. But um, I think from a very young age, I'd always done that. And I think everybody has a morning routine, but if you, you want that morning routine to be successful. So productive. Um, yeah. What time do yeah, you wake yeah. up? <laughs> it, it depends. Um, usually when my, so when I'm home with the kids, I get up at four 30. When I'm on a trip, uh, it could be like five, even six, depending on what my schedule is, because I don't have to deal with my kids. But <laughs> <laughs> I love my kids. I'm just saying, you do have to set that time aside. And, and Chris, I know you, you do the same thing. Yeah. yeah so I'm I'm up at four fifteen, and that's really because that's my not kid a wakes up so early. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting fifteen <laughs> minutes more productivity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. No, but if I don't wake up that early, then I don't get anything done because my kid is waking up so early right now because he's, he's really young. So I wake up 4.15, and even before this, I did it, and, you know, I did reading already. I've written already. I've meditated. So it's, always, it's a great way to start your day and get on track and reinforce what is your number one priority with that writing. So if you start your day writing down, every, you know, this is what my goals are and this is what's important, not only would that continue to stay strong in your day-to-day -day routine, but you'll, you'll know what you need to focus on for that day. And I think that a lot of people miss just that simple part when they start their day. They kind of forget like what's most important and why am I waking up and why am I doing this and why am I going to work? And, and all of a sudden that routine just becomes almost like a slave routine. They don't even, they're not excited about it. They don't know what they're doing it for. So just getting up with purpose 
through a, a morning routine really sets the tone, sets the day, and make sure you're progressing towards those goals that are most important to you. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that was good. All right, guys. So, where can people find you in uh, social media, email? Share with us. Sure. So we we have a website. So it's uh, www.valkyriegroup.com. That's V-A-L-K-E-R-E group.com. Um, and we're also on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at ValkyrieInvestmentGroup.com. Uh, that's at ValkyrieInvestmentGroup.com. And, um, yeah, we're, we're all over. We're on LinkedIn. We're on uh, BiggerPockets. I post a lot on BiggerPockets, so you'll probably see me on there if you, if you check it out. And uh, anything else, Ashton? Uh, no. I mean, we go to meetups and stuff, too, and we're always networking. But, you know, we're always looking for new people to work with. Um, Somebody said this to me a while back, and I think it's such a great quote, you know, uh, nobody's smarter than all of us. And so, you know, you got to work together. You need to work together. So I think uh, networking is huge. And please reach out up to us if you're, uh, you want to work together and grow together because, I mean, there's plenty of success to go around, plenty of, you know, opportunities. So um, we love working with new people. So, yeah. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for coming to my podcast and sharing all this with my listeners this was amazing advice and uh, i'm sure that everybody is going to take advantage of it thank you so much for being here thank, thank you for having us appreciate it it's a pleasure all right bye everybody bye This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.